Now, today, like I said, we're ending this series called No Freedom. If you're new, we've been on a journey over the past six weeks of trying to figure out how can we experience freedom in life. And we've discovered that freedom comes from a very strange place. It comes from making commitments, making God-honoring commitments. And often we think, like, how could we get freedom out of that? Because we think when we make a commitment, then we lose freedom in some way. But that's not God's perspective. So from God's perspective, people who make and keep God-honoring commitments experience a freedom that nobody else experiences. Jesus actually said in John 8, 31 and 32, he said, you truly are my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Another way to say that is if you commit to follow me. If you commit to follow me, then, verse 32 applies, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So from God's perspective, real freedom in life comes from making and keeping God-honoring commitments. And so on the journey that we've been on, we've looked in week two at God's commitment that he made to us. And we found that that's called a covenant. That's the deepest of all agreements between two, two people. And we'll, we'll reference that again later in the service when we celebrate communion. And then we looked at living a life of forgiveness and the freedom that that choice, that commitment can bring us when we say, you know what, I'm going to be a forgiving person. We've looked at how God designed us to operate, to live in the context of relationships. That God wants us to experience a freedom when we commit to do life with other people. And so hopefully you've been able to get connected in our starting point group or our five-week community group experience or one of our community groups. And that's how God designed us to live in the context of relationships with other people. And then last week we looked at our commitment to financial freedom. It's something that all of us desire, but like Tim taught us last week, anybody remember the bug zapper? Like we are drawn towards debt like bugs are drawn to the bug zapper. And God says, I want you to figure out how to live beyond that. And I want to show you how to live in a freedom that you can experience beyond debt. Now, today we're going to come at this subject from a different perspective of making a commitment to God and the commitments that we need to make. So I'm gonna try to come in the back door and hopefully this is gonna make sense. And if it doesn't make sense and you're like, that was the most confusing message ever, come next week because we're talking about SOS. Now, the first part of this message today, about three quarters of it, I'm gonna talk directly to Christ followers. So if you're a Christ follower, I hope you brought your stretchy pants and your thinking cap because God's gonna stretch us today. We've got a lot of reflective moments, a lot of Bible verses we're going to work through together and some moments for really reflecting to figure out, God, is this something I need to work on in my relationship with you? And then towards the end of the message, I'm going to talk directly to those who would say, you know what, I'm not a Christ follower. And each week we have people here just exploring Christianity, just checking it out. So if you're just checking it out, then I'm glad you're here and you can benefit from some of the things that we're going to talk about today. You can benefit greatly, but just know the first part of it is primarily directed at Christ followers and then the last part will be directed primarily at you. So as we begin today, let me do something I'm really good at and that is to ask a stupid question. So here's my stupid question. When you buy something, how much of that thing do you expect 
to actually get. Like when you go to the store today or tomorrow, whenever you go to the store next and you've got to buy something, how much of that thing do you expect to bring home with you? 100% all of it? Yeah, okay. The answer is obvious. You can tell a stupid question. Um, so when I buy something, I expect to get everything that naturally comes with that thing. Now, here's a stupid illustration. So let's say you've made a commitment to financial freedom. Like you're doing the Dave Ramsey thing, you're saving your cash, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to save my money and buy a car. I'm going to buy the car of my dreams. And I'm just going to save my money week after week, month after month, maybe a few years. And then you, you get your cash and you're excited because today's the day. And you're going to go out and you're going to go to a dealership and you're going to walk onto that dealership. You're going to point out your car and say, I want it in red. Here's my cash. Bring me the keys because I got to go show my friends my new ride. You're excited. And the salesman goes, great. They go to get your car and they pull your car up. And you notice when the car comes around, it doesn't have windows or doors. Okay, so you say to the salesperson, like, no windows, no doors. Um, where's my car? Oh, you wanted windows and doors. Like, that comes uh, extra. That, that doesn't come with the purchase. How many of you would buy that car? Okay, nobody. Um, yeah, why, why would we do that? That's silly. That's, that's goofy. You know, when I buy a car, I expect to get all of what naturally comes with that car. Windows, doors, seats, steering wheel, engine, tires. You know, like that's what makes a car. And we expect to get everything that, that comes with the thing that we naturally bought. Now, hang on, because I'm going to shift gears for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Back to my stupid question. When God purchased us, how much of us do you think he expected to get? All of us? Half of us? Some of us? Here's the thing that happened. When God paid that high price, let me just remind us that high price was Jesus dying on the cross for us. It's part of that covenant that we talked about in week two, the deepest of all agreements. God said, I'm willing to pay the ultimate price so that you can live, so that you can be in a relationship with me that'll last forever. That's the high price. But when the salesman brought us around, God noticed that we were missing a few things. Like some of us didn't come with a brain. Some of us didn't come with a whole heart, like we had half a heart. Some of us didn't have eyes. Some of us didn't have a mouth. Some of us didn't have ears or hands or feet. Like God noticed, hey, I, I didn't get everything I paid a high price for. So today I'm going to use some props to identify some of the things that God bought when he purchased us. And again, we're gonna have some reflective moments and I might come to a spot where you realize that's the thing that I need to give to God. That's maybe the thing I've been holding back from God. So what I ask you to do is pay attention as I use these props and you might find one or two things you go, you know what, that's mine. So pay attention to what God might be speaking to you about on the things that, that he purchased. So when God purchased us, one of the things that he purchased was our brain, All right, This happens to be my brain, and I'm not using it right now, so 
makes for a good illustration. So when God purchased our brain, that means he bought our thoughts, he bought our plans, he bought our attitudes, and he bought our opinions. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on these first two, and then it'll, it'll pick up pace as I go along. But think about this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Are those the things that you think about on a regular basis? Do those thoughts fill your mind constantly? If I'm honest, I'd say no. You know, there are days my mind is filled with worry. There are days my mind is filled with um, being a little critical, maybe of myself or, or other people. What fills your thoughts? Are you thinking about things that honor God? Are you thinking about good things, pure things, admirable things, excellent things, things worthy of praise? When God purchased your brain, he said, these are the things that I want you to think about. Another thing that God bought when he bought our brain is our plans. Listen to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now, I don't know about you, but I am really good at making plans and asking God to bless them. Like, God, this is a great idea. Just came up with this idea, like super fantastic idea. It'd be great if you'd work it out for me. Um, But God says, listen, that's not how I want you to operate. I paid high price for you. I want you to allow me to show you my plan for you. So are you making plans and asking God to bless those plans? Or are you coming to God and saying, God, will you show me your plans? Because I want to operate in your plan, in your will for my life. Philippians chapter 2 tells us another thing that God bought when he bought our brains, and that is our attitudes. If you think about it, when God bought our attitudes, he got a whole lot of attitude, didn't he? So Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Let that sink in for just a moment. If you're a Christ follower, God says you need to have the same attitude that Jesus had. So is your attitude like Jesus? This is what it looks like to have an attitude like Jesus. Verse six says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That's rather profound because we have this tendency to cling to things that kind of show how important we are. Maybe power, maybe position, maybe possession. We like to be identified with that thing and look at me. And you know, look how great I am. And God says, look, Jesus set that aside, said he, he didn't cling to that. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave, he was born as a human being. Do you have that kind of attitude? humble attitude. That's the kind of attitude that that God expects if you're a Christ follower. Another thing that God bought when he bought us is our heart. He bought our heart, and, and, and that means he bought our emotions. That means he bought our will. That means he bought our desires. Listen to Ephesians 4, 
31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I need to keep that verse in front of me on a regular basis because there are th- some things in that verse that I struggle with. It's a moment of confession as a pastor. I struggle with, with what I call an anger problem. And my anger problem doesn't look like yelling and screaming and cussing and you know, slamming doors and throwing things and punching people. It doesn't look like that. Mine's a little more spiritual if it can be. So my anger problem looks like silence. Uh, Around home, I can have a short fuse. And when my kids do something that irritates me, or my wife may say something that bothers me, I can have a real short fuse. And I found that I have two primary emotions in life, happy or angry. And I can go from happy to angry quicker than any car can get from zero to 60. And I've noticed that I can have a real short fuse with some of the most important people in my life, my family. And I don't want that. I want to grow um, that fuse that I have. And so when I get frustrated, I get silent. And my family knows. My kids know, oh, dad's mad about something. Leave him alone. Don't talk to him. Don't make eye contact. My dog doesn't want to make eye contact with me in that moment. My dog, my lab, who who loves everybody in our family knows, oh, stay away from him. He is in a bad mood. It's one of the things I was working on uh, in our fast. So we had a two-week fast in January. And so I was praying on a daily basis. And I asked my small group to pray for me and some other people in my life. Pray for me to be a happy, humble person. And I've been spending some time reading about Moses in the Old Testament part of the Bible. If you know anything about Moses, he uh, was used by God to free the nation of Israel from 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. And uh, man, what a task he had. And the Bible says that, that Moses was the most humble person who ever lived. And when I watch how, how Moses developed that humility, I think, no, thank you. I, I'll take the diploma. I just don't want the coursework. I don't want to go through all of that. And yet, God's goal for me, and I think God's goal for all of us, is that we be happy, humble people. So I'm regularly working on that. How can I be a happy person who's got my identity tied to Christ? How can I be humble when when things go wrong around me and I'm okay? I'm not going to have a meltdown. So how about you? Do you have an anger problem? Do you have a forgiveness problem? Are you tender-hearted? Are you kind to other people? God asks us to operate that way. Now listen to what Proverbs 3 says about our heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, this is a revolutionary thought, life-changing thought that goes in direct contrast to what our world tells us every day. Every day our world says, you need to follow your heart. 
Whatever you want to do, if it feels right to you, do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says because your heart will always lead you to good places. You know what God thinks about that? It's a bunch of hogwash. And I'm pretty sure God wouldn't say hogwash. God thinks we can't follow our heart. Why? Because our heart will lead us to bad places. Listen to what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. It says, the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Our heart, my heart, wants to go in a direction often that's opposite of what God wants. And so what God wants us to do with our hearts is not to follow our hearts, but to lead our hearts. Lead them in his way. Direct them towards him and his, pl- his path and his plan for our lives. And there are many moments my heart goes, this feels right, this is what I wanna do. And yet I have to, through my will, say, you're going the wrong direction. You need to go over here. Yeah, but it feels so right. It can't be wrong, right? Yes, it can. It'll lead you to a bad place. If you just follow your heart, we've got to lead our heart. And here's a really cool thing. As we learn how to lead our heart, God says, I will take your, your cold, stony, stubborn heart, and I will replace it with a soft, responsive heart. When God whispers, what he wants is that we respond right away. He says, I want you to go that way. Yes, great. I'm going to go that way. That's the kind of heart that God wants us to have if you're a Christ follower. This next thing that God purchased when he bought us is our mouth. And our mouth, Jesus says, is tied to our heart. So in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, it says, the words you speak come from the heart. So the words that we speak, they come from here. And Jesus knew that our words reveal the condition of our heart. So what do your words reveal about the condition of your heart? Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Does your tongue, does your mouth bring death to people or life to people? If you're a Christ follower, God bought your mouth, God bought your tongue, And he expects that we speak words of life to people. Here's another way to think about it. Do you spend your time correcting people or encouraging people? That's a hard one. Because it's real easy to get in the habit of correcting everybody around us. God says, as Christ followers, I purchased your mouth. I want you to use those words to bring life and encouragement, and comfort, and support, and learn how to speak the truth and love to people. So how are you doing with your mouth? Another thing that God purchased that should be tied to our mouths is our ears. And have you ever noticed that we have two of these things and one of these things? You know, it makes you wonder, does God want us to use this a little bit more than then we use this. You know, he could have just put one big ear right in the middle, you know, but he didn't. He put two on the sides. God wants us to listen. Listen to what uh, James chapter one, verse 19, it says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Is that how you operate as a Christ follower? 
uh, I like to mix those words up a little bit in my own life and get angry quickly, speak quickly, and listen very slow. But God says, no, you got it wrong. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. God wants us to listen more to him. Sometimes we can't hear what God is saying because we are talking way too much. God wants us to listen to other people. You know, you can learn a whole lot about other people if we just listen to them. Listen more, talk less. Listen to this really challenging verse out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin, so be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Isn't that a very convicting verse? And uh, I'd encourage you not to write it down and hand it to people that you think need to keep their mouth shut, okay? I would encourage you to write it down and maybe memorize it for yourself. And I got to memorize it for me. There are many moments God just says, keep your mouth shut. Actually, there's another Bible verse that says you look wise when you keep your mouth shut. Like, I want some wisdom, so I got to like bite my lips sometimes and keep my mouth shut. So how are you doing at listening. Listen to what else we're supposed to do with our ears. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you what? What's that next word? Free. That's what we're talking about. If you look carefully into the perfect law, if you commit to those things that set you free, and you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So God gave us these ears so we could listen. Like Sunday morning, we're listening together. Throughout the week, maybe you're listening to the Bible on your phone, or maybe you're reading the Bible, and we're absorbing that. So God says, listen to what I have to say, and then apply it to your life. Transformation comes from information plus application. So if we're not applying it to our lives, we're only fooling ourselves. We're not using our ears the way God wants us to use our ears. He says, listen, and then apply. So how are you doing at listening to God's word? Are you spending time in God's word so that God can speak to you? And as God speaks to you, are you listening by responding? Are you applying what he says? Are you obeying what he wants you to do? How's everybody doing? You okay? Everybody still with me? Tracking? Okay. So maybe we need to have like a jumping jacks moment, you know, just to like rub the person next to you, their shoulders to kind of give us a little break here for a second. You ready to keep going? Okay, we got more. We're getting close to the end, though. So the next thing that God bought when he bought us is he, he bought our time, our talents, and our treasures. God purchased those things. Listen to what Psalms 24 verse 1 says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So guess what that means? God owns your time, my time. He owns your talents. He owns your treasures. He owns your career. He owns the money that's in your bank account. He owns the money that's not in your bank account. 
He owns all of it. It all belongs to him. And what God wants us to do with those things is he wants us to use those things to advance his kingdom, not our kingdom. So how are you doing at using the time that God has given you? Are you using your time on things that will last forever or are you using your time on things that will die when you die? Are you using your time to invest in eternal things? This past Sunday, two really scary things happened. While we were in service at 11.30, there were five people that lost their lives down on US-1. Major car accident. All five people in the same car, gone in a second. We had last Sunday also two of our church members, uh, Vicki and Charlene. We're coming back uh, home and we're hitting a head-on collision. Thankfully, they survived. Um, some bumps and bruises, broken bones, you know, some recovery for sure. So grateful that they're okay. But the reality for all of us is our time is not unlimited. Our time is limited. We only have so much time. So what are you doing with the time that God has given you? The time that God has purchased from you? What about your talents? Are you using your talents to advance God's kingdom or your kingdom? So often we get stuff and we think, oh, this is for me. This is great. I'm really good at this. I can use this thing to advance my name, my reputation, my bank account, whatever. And God says, you missed the whole point. Not only did God buy these things from us, but scripture says he gave them to us. So he gave us our time, our talents, our resources. He gave it to us and then he bought it from us. That, that is so profound. So how are you using your talents and your treasures? God owns them. In the announcements, you heard Carla talk about ways that you could get active in our church family. And if you come to Epic any length of time, at some point you're gonna hear me say something like this. Jesus is the hope of the world and he's chosen local churches to carry that message to a dying world. And so the local church is God's number one plan. It's his only plan to reach the world with the message of Jesus with the time that we have. And so I think God wants all of us to use our time, talents, and resources to advance his kingdom and to be active in what he is doing through a local church. And if, if this is the place you think of, you know, when you think of going to church, this is kind of your church home, then I would ask you, I would beg you, I would challenge you to get active in God's number one plan to reach the world for Jesus. Use your time, talents, and resources to get active here in helping us to reach our community for Christ. And if you'd say, you know, Epic's just not my thing. I don't like listen to a bald guy every Sunday. Great, there's other churches that don't have bald pastors and, and you can listen to them and, and learn from them. But when you find a church home, do not be a consumer. God designed you to be a contributor. He designed all of us. He gave you time, talents, and resources. And he expects that we use those things to advance his kingdom and not our kingdom. So you'll have a chance at the end of the service to go check out what's going on in our ministry areas. And I encourage you, Find a place, get active in what God is doing in our church family. 
Now, this last thing that we're going to talk about is so amazing to me. It's so profound. I look at this stuff and I think, wow, this is, this is really interesting. But this last thing makes our God our God. One of the other things that God bought is our trash. And if you're not a Christ follower, I hope you'll really pay attention to this. God bought your weaknesses, your hurts, your habits, your failures. He bought all that stuff that we look at and go, oh, why would he want that? He wouldn't want that. Why does he want that about me? But God purchased all of that. He purchased all of that and he wants to use it in a very powerful way. And here's the amazing thing about God. He does not say, hey, you need to go clean up your life and learn how to live a perfect life before you come to me. He doesn't say that. He says, hey, come to me. Guess what? Bring your trash. And I can redeem your trash. I can use it for my glory. I can use it for my purposes if you will let me. Listen to what the apostle Paul says about his weaknesses in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and please know who Paul is. All right, in kind of the, the spectrum of people who have been used by God to, to transform the world, you have Jesus and then you have Paul. Okay, so Paul is a significant figure, wrote most of the New Testament part of the Bible. And so he begged God to take away this weakness that he had. It was something that he called a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what that thorn was. Could have been a physical thing for him. Could have been a relational thing. Could have been a personality thing. We're not exactly sure. So this is what he said. Second Corinthians chapter 12, starting verse eight. He said, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need, Paul. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says this. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you have that perspective about your weaknesses, about your failures? I don't. Often I'm asking God, please get rid of this stuff. I hate this stuff. I hate this part of me. And God says, if you'll bring it, I'll use it. And I'll use it in a way that would advance my kingdom. And I'll, I'll transform it. I'll do things that you never thought were possible with your weaknesses, with your failures. And that doesn't mean that we embrace a lifestyle of sin or a lifestyle of addiction. You know, hey, I'm just gonna be addicted to whatever because God's power is gonna shine through me. That's not what Paul's talking about here. There were people actually trying to argue that point in Romans chapter six, and Paul said, that's silly. That's, that's goofy. What we need to do is bring our trash to God and let him use it and let him transform us because when are we really strong? It's in those moments of weakness because God's power works and it's not our power. It's, it's not my power. It's not me saying, look at how great I am. It's me going, look at how great our God is because of what God can do. So if you aren't a Christ follower, let me just ask a simple question. Why not? What's holding you back? What is that thing that's holding you back? Especially when you look at what 
all that God has given us, all that God has bought from us. And when you look at our gracious God who says, bring your trash even, I'll buy that as well. God is one of the greatest recyclers ever. So if you're not a Christ follower, why not? I'm going to guide you in how you can become one. If, if maybe there's somebody here who says, you know, I think I, I would want to do that. Like today, uh, I, I want to m- make my decision for Christ. Today can be the day. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. So I'm going to walk you through what I call the ABC prayer of salvation. It's very simple. And whenever I usually get to this spot in a service or even outside of service when I'm trying to guide somebody in how to put their faith in Jesus, I usually use this. Um, And I use it for several reasons. Number one, because it's simple. And number two, for those who are Christ followers and want to know how to help their friends or coworkers or family members, how to put their faith in Christ and start a relationship with God, I want them to know how to do that as well. And and it's kind of simple. You know, when you're out at work or something and somebody says like, hey, let's start up this spiritual conversation. Maybe they get to a spot where they want to put their faith in Jesus instead of going, what'd that bald guy say again on Sunday? Like, I can't remember that. Just remember A, B, C. A, we first have to admit to God that we are sinners in need of a savior. It's like saying, God, I admit I've got trash and I need somebody to help me with this. And B is I believe. I believe Jesus is that savior who died so I can live. Jesus said there's one way to eternal life. That's through a relationship with him. There's not a thousand ways. There's not a hundred ways. There's not two ways. There's one way. That's by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. So I believe, Jesus, in who you are and what you did for me. And then see, I commit to follow you. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple to start a relationship with God that will last forever. Now I'm going to get back to that in just a moment. But let me transition to communion. So here at Epic, this is how we take communion. Communion is open to anybody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you've done that at some other point in your life, or if you do that today, then I encourage you, invite you to take communion with us. We've got six tables set up, two up front, four in the back. And in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to get up when our worship team comes out and and they're going to guide us through a song. You'll have a chance to get up and come to one of these tables and take the communion elements. And as you come up, you'll notice there are little cups of juice, there are little pieces of bread, little crackers. And the bread and the crackers represent Christ's body, which was broken for us. That's that covenant we talked about in week two. Jesus said, I'm going to allow my body to be broken for you. And then the cups of juice represent Christ's blood, which was poured out for us. And that's, that's where he said, I'm going to sign this covenant. I'm going to sign this commitment with my blood. And so as you come up and take the communion elements Uh, You can stand up here. You can go sit back down and and take them uh, on your own when you're ready. And I just encourage everybody, take it in the context of this final song that our worship team will sing. Here's the song that they're going to sing. It's called More. It's a great song about getting more of God. And, And often we're trying to figure out, how do I get more of God? Here's the secret. The way we get more of God is to give him more of us, more of what he already owns. And so we give him more of who we are and what he already rightly owns. So here's how we're going to end today, and I'm going to try to tie communion in with um, this message and these props. So I'm going to go back through these props. And if I get to a prop that you know, like, that's your thing, 
that's the thing you need to commit more of to God, then I'm going to ask you to do this really weird thing. I'm going to ask you to stand and keep standing. Okay, I know people are sweating palms and hearts beating fast and, oh my goodness. So understand this. You're not standing to impress anybody around you. You're not standing to impress me. Sometimes we need to do something physical to confirm the decision that we've made, the commitment that we are making. So I want you to just think about you and your relationship with God. Think about the commitment that he's made to you, the covenant that he's made. When you're taking communion, think about that covenant and stand to make a declaration. God, that's the thing I I need to work on. I'm gonna work on that thing, giving you more and more of that thing and confirm it through your communion time. Okay, so I'm gonna start in probably the hardest spot. And don't worry, as we do this, you won't be standing by yourself long. By the end, I'm gonna have everybody standing, okay? So probably the hardest spot part to start is with those uh, who would say you're not a Christ follower. And if today you understand the ABCs of salvation, that you admit you're a sinner in need of a savior, you believe Jesus is that savior, and you're asking him to come into your life, and you're committing to follow him, if that's you, then I'm going to ask you to boldly stand. Okay, I see one person. Way to go. Proud of you. Way to go. You're a courageous woman. Very proud of you. Um, all right. What about the condition of your heart? You know, like you need to commit your emotions to God, your, your will, your desires to God. You know, like, your emotions have been a little bit out of whack, but you know, like, that's the thing. There's more of your heart that you need to give to God. Anybody else? Is that the thing that you need to stand for? Great. Way to go. Good job. Good job. Okay. The brain. If you need to commit your thoughts back to God, give him control over your thoughts, your plans, your attitude, your opinions, if that's your thing, Now is your time to stand. Great. Your mouth. You know, like maybe you've been speaking a whole lot of death, not enough life. And you need to to commit to speaking words of life on a regular basis. Now is your time to stand. All right, your ears. Listening more than speaking. Listening to God listening to other people, listening to scripture and applying scripture to your life. So if that's your thing, now's a good time to stand. We'll clump these three together. Your time, your talents, your treasures. If you know, you know what, I've been using these to build my kingdom and I need to start building God's kingdom. So maybe this is your your thing that you need to commit to. And last, your trash. Who needs to to stand and commit? You know what? I've looked at my trash all wrong. God can use it. hate that stuff, but God can use it. So if you need to commit maybe your weaknesses, your failures, your struggles to God and allow him to to use those for his glory, now you can stand. I'm asking everybody to stand with me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
says this. Jesus gathered his disciples together for what we call Holy Communion. And the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me. As often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. God, how humbling it is to understand that when you paid the high price for us, you purchased all of us. And God, when, when the salesperson brought us around, you noticed that we came with a few things that, that you expected to buy. And so today, some of us are committing our, our brains to you, our, our thoughts, our plans, our attitudes, our opinions. Some of us are committing our heart. Some of us are, are committing our mouth or our ears, our time, our talents, our resources, our trash. Lord, we understand that it all belongs to you. And we want to use those things in a way that will bring honor and glory to you to advance your kingdom, not our kingdom. So guys, we take communion. There's many of us. We're making a declaration, a commitment today to give you more of who we are. And we know in return, that's how we get more of you. So God, help us in these commitments. Help us to drive a stake in the ground and say, you know, I'm not turning back. I'm moving forward in this new area. I'm giving God more and more of this in, in my life. And Lord, I pray that you would bring this back to our minds all week long and all month long and really the rest of our lives and where we can have this ongoing conversation where we say like, God, what else might I need to give to you? What else do I need to give you control over in my life? So Lord, guide us on that journey till you have all of us and you can use us the way you desire. We're excited to celebrate communion and to announce again the covenant that you made with us. And we know one day you're gonna come back and take us home to be with you. We look forward to that day and until then, or we give you more of who we are. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this, amen. You are now free to take communion.